Friends in ministry, we encourage and inspire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Live from the Gen Studio, we enlighten and support each other. We're promoting positivity, positivity, friends in ministry. Tell us where you've been, tell us what you've seen, friends in ministry. You see, when this oil right here, and these eggs right here, and this flour right here, and this sugar right here are solid, are, are confident in oneself, are able to know the role that they are able to do. I'm going to show you why we're better together, and this is going to get somebody excited. But you see, when we all know who we're supposed to be, glory be to God, and we play our position, and we play our role as we fellowship together, you see, this right here is the conversation and goal. It may look like a cake to you, but in spiritual eyes, this is the Lord being shown to the earth. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Friends in Ministry. I got another good one for you. Um, Friends in Ministry is, as you know, a podcast where I speak to my fellow friends who are also in ministry just about their journey and their experience in ministry. And this is another wonderful installment uh friends and ministry as usual is brought to you by the, the gen studios uh friends and ministry is also by brought to you by the holy armor clothing line where you suit up stand up and stand out don't forget to shop with them um the link will be in the description so our guest today uh attends the greater Charlotte church where he's a youth pastor um he's a beloved husband and father uh, he's also the owner and proprietor of Valley Mortuary Transport, Transport Services, LLC. Uh, he's a dynamic preacher, and we're going to talk to him today, none other than Pastor Jason Vandenberg. Welcome to Friends in Ministry, bro. Thank you so much, man. I'm so excited to be with you. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. So first things first, man, like I always ask all my guests, What's good, man? What's going on with you? Uh, how have you been? What, what, what's been going on with you? Yeah, man, I'm doing well, doing well. Life is life is pretty, pretty interesting right now um, in terms of the ministry. Great things happening in the church. Um, Business-wise, things are picking up family-wise. Uh, my daughter actually graduated pre-K, um, so she's going to be going into kindergarten next year. Um, man, just so much happening, but it's all good stuff, bro. Good stuff. All right, man. We're glad to hear it, bro. And congrats to your daughter uh, graduating pre-K. Thank you. Um, so, you know, as you know, like we spoke offline and before uh, leading up to the interview, you know, you are, you know, one of seven kids in your uh, family. And, you know, you grew up in New York before moving here to Pennsylvania. You know, just, you know, what was life like in your household growing up you know in New York uh, one of seven kids tell us about yeah. that so so my dad is older um and uh, he's got some years on my mom so now present day my oldest sibling is is 47 years old and my youngest sibling is 24 years old I'm 30 um okay. so I'm number five of seven so I was raised with four other people, um, four other siblings. There were the five mm -hmm. of us. My sister lived around the corner, but she was grown already with a child right. and had a brother who lived in the city. So 
Um, yeah, man, that was that was interesting uh, because we always had other people live with us when I was growing up. So my mother's mother, my grandmother um, lived with us up until she passed away um, in the year 2000. Um, and then my father's brother also lived with us and he is now going to be with the Lord as well. Um, but he lived with with my family up through um, all of uh, the rest of his life, um, which he passed away in 2018. So he came in 97 to our house. Right. My grandmother was there since I was born and she died in 2000. Um, so, you know, it, it was always family, man. Like we, we always have folks who stay with us despite all of us. Right. All right. Of it, it sounds like it was a big family, like like from what you're saying. Yeah, man. It was it was always about family. All of my family was in New York. Now, most of most of them have moved some in Georgia, some in North Carolina, um, some in Delaware, some here in PA. Um, but we were all rooted there. Um, and I grew up in a city called Hempstead, um, which is on Long Island and, um, you know, shares a border with Queens. So, yeah, yeah, that was it was cool. Cool, man. It was cool. I learned culture there. Yes. You know what I mean, there was Golden Crest, Golden Crust and yes. Golden Crest because there's a difference. <laughs> yes. A lot of them, man. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I was in school and I, I see your flag and I know you represent <laughs> the motherland jamaica but yeah man. you know when i was in school out there we used to have battles man it was jamaicans versus haitians and uh, oh yeah <laughs> like we had like fights and everything man so if you were not jamaican or you were not haitian you had to pick a side and, right right <laughs> jamaicans man because because i like the food but yeah, yeah it was cool growing up out there i learned a lot but you know we moved because even long island people people often talk about long island like it's just all big boats and, and mansions and, and all of that. And, you know, where I lived, it was not that at all. Um, as a matter of fact, a couple of cats from my street, from my block, you know, did bids for murder, um, gang stuff. They, like, that's all a part of the reason we ended up here. Um, the, the area was changing. So, so, all right, since you mentioned that, uh, Speak to like what you know kept you because obviously, like you know, you're growing up in a, such an environment, like especially at a, at a young age, it's easy, you know, to be wanting to get drawn to certain things, even at a very young age, you know what I'm saying? Because once you're exposed, you're exposed. But speak to like you know, how you know, you basically, you know, like stay clear of certain things, even before moving out of New York. Well, I didn't, and that's. And I think that's a part of the story. Right. I mean, I got caught up in, in stuff out there. I did. Right. Um, you know, there are real gangs and then there are fake gangs. I was fake gang banging. It was fake. <laughs> but but still, I thought I was doing something right. And, um, right. you know, I got I got I, I was a part of, you know, things that. So, like, one of the things we used to do was counterfeit money. One of the things we used to do was sell marijuana, sell weed. But, you know, I never I never murdered anybody or anything like that. But I was. I was becoming a product, you know what I mean, of where I was. And in the meantime, still getting great grades. So that was, so that was very interesting. But, yeah. you know, I, I, it was just a way of life, man. I grew up with folks who, you know, they did dirt. They did what they did. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they still took care of business in school, which I know sounds weird. Like, no, I, know I, get, I get you. Who went to college, like I checked back on them. They went to school. They they have good jobs and and they still did what they did. Um, it's just a different it's just a different space, man. All right, man. Well, we give God thanks, you know, for keeping you. Yes. You know, uh, despite you know 
until you know we were able to you know find your way back um, yeah. you're going to speak further down you know like when you got you know saved and everything so as you say you grew up in new york um so you moved to pennsylvania in high school yes what was that transition like because we were just talking about what it was like in new york and you know moving to a new state in pennsylvania what was that like that transition for you oh it was interesting man as a matter of fact i have one brother well i have four four brothers but one of them um he and i we actually stayed so that we could finish school in new york okay um, and then we came my parents and my younger siblings had moved here already but we stayed with my aunt and my cousin um in in, in long island and uh you know, for me, bro, I came from a school which literally, and this is no lie, man, I'll pull the yearbook out, had one white person in it, one <laughs> white female, Katie Miller. I'll never forget her. We treated her horribly, and I feel bad oh, about man. it to this day. Yeah. But the school was predominantly, it was it was black right. or some brown skin, whether Jamaican, whether Haitian, uh, right. whether African, um, and all sorts of of hispanic origin so from puerto rico to ecuador to el salvador to uh mexico like that's really what i grew up in so when i came here bro it was culture shock yeah um, because i had never ever ever met a person who was lebanese didn't know what that was right i never ever met a person who was uh pennsylvania dutch like that's something i hear about often here like i yeah. never had met you know, these individuals and my encounters and my interactions with people who were of European descent, um, yeah. white skin, it, it was Katie and, and Katie's mother um, sometimes and then the teachers, but most of my teachers were black. So like, it was totally a culture shock, bro, <laughs> when, I, when I got here, um, but I'm grateful for it. And, you know, I, I really feel like I tell people often, I, I have two lives and I know that in another context, Having a double life is not a good thing, right? No. Having two lives is not good. Right. But I do have two lives. Like, I have the life that I live, lifelong friends from Long Island, from New York, who are still uh, very close to me. I could go back there, go to places, go to churches. Because here's the thing. I went to church, bro, but I wasn't living, you know, I wasn't living right. right. I don't think I was really saved. But I went to church because my mother went to church. So okay. I was a part of a church even, even back then. Um you know, I mean, I can go back there and then I have the life that I've built here, like wife, kids, right career. So, yeah, double life. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so you 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 got saved when you were 15. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, you know, basically you just said that you were you were still going to church because of your mom. But, you know, you really got saved when you were 50, you were 15. So tell us about the, that decision, like when you decided to. Yeah. You, yeah. And I realized, bro, I, I, I told you, I, I told you 15. I thought about it after and I was like, yeah, it actually was 16. Okay. So it was, a, it was a year later. It was actually January, um, a new year service at Shiloh church. I hated church, man. I was tired of church. My mother had, had actually transitioned churches when we lived in New York. Right. She was to another, I'm like, man, I hate church. And, and so you know, it was a New Year service. I had even my mom had even started coming to Shiloh, where where we are now. My mother still right. goes to church to this day. Um, we were still we were going to church, and I I would stay home. Yo, I would come up with every excuse. I'll vacuum the house. I'll clean the whole house. You were sick. I'll cook clean. I'm not feeling good. Anything <laughs> you need, I will do it because yeah. I didn't want to go to church. But it was something, man. On this New Year's service, man. I, I you know. People often say, 
I could tell you the moment. I could tell you the date and the time where I got saved. I can tell you the day. That's about all. I just know the Lord touched me and he was yeah. like, man, come on, come connect with me. And uh, for real though, mm -hmm. um, and that's, and that happened on New Year's, New Year's Eve service. I think okay. 2006 or seven, something like that. Okay. Okay. So, you know, as we mentioned in the brief intro, you're currently one of the pastors there, you know, at um, Greater Shiloh, you know, I, I met you there like maybe a month or two ago. Um, did you, well, no, that, that, that question would be different because I was going to ask you, did you always knew you wanted to be a, a pastor, but you just said that you didn't want to go to church? Well, I, well, I'll throw, I'll throw something to you though. When I yeah. was seven in my old church, a pastor came and did a revival and, and he looked at me, he walked right up to me. Uh, my brother actually had prayed that night, not me. I didn't say a thing. And mm -hmm. he walks over to my mom and he says to my brother, amazing prayer. And he says, who is this? And she, my mother told him my name. And he said, this young man, he's going to be a preacher. He said, and I'm not just talking about sharing the word. We're all supposed to do that. He said, he's going to be a preacher. preacher right? I'm like, man, please. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't even, bro, until I actually got saved and began walking in ministry, taking steps toward, you know, the call where right. my mom reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that did happen. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I mean, what was the journey like to pastorship, though? Like, I know, you know, like, um, in the churches, because I know, like, you know, you went to college and you, 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 you studied, um, you know, religion and history. And even in for your master's, you know, you, you did study like leadership and organizational leadership. But when you were even doing your studies, though, like, did you have any idea? Like, were you at that point in time, like when you got to college? Were you oh, going yeah, bro, I could tell you. So I actually got hired to the church literally two weeks before I graduated college. Um, but here's what happened. So when I was in high school. Um, I was maybe in 11th or 12th grade. I had to do a uh, assignment for, for school. You had to shadow a job. Now the project was due Rick on Monday, right? but it was Thursday, which meant that I literally only had Friday to get this project done. Right. So I was like, yo, I, cause I slacked and, and didn't take care of business leading up. I'm like, right. oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm like, ma, I can't call police officer. I want to be a cop. I can't go walk up to the doctor's <laughs> office. My mother was like, yo, call the church. So I called the church and um, I got put on the phone with a guy named Pastor Gaddy. And Pastor Gaddy, when I talked to him, Pastor Gaddy was old, older, you know, even back then, probably in his 70s. And um, when, I, when I asked him, I'm like, hey, listen, um, I have a school project I need to do. Can I shadow you? I know you're a pastor. Um, can I just shadow you? And in my mind, Rick, what I was going to do is, hey, I was just going to write about the experience, write about what we did, and then that was going to be my project. That was it. So Pastor Gaddy gets on the phone with me, and he literally says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. He said, I have a busy day tomorrow, and I don't really do ministry you know, with, with, with young people. He's like, yo, my ministry is focused more on older people, adults. So he right, was like, I'm right. sorry, no. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. Hung up. He called me back like two hours later, bro, and was like, you know, the Lord changed his heart. He was like, why don't we do it? Come over to the church in the morning. Myself, right. Pastor Juanita, who is the overseer of the church, um, Pastor Phil's mom, right. um, 
she was there as well. So that day, what we ended up doing is we went to a nursing home, we went to a hospital, we went to visit people. And I walk into a nursing home with them and a woman literally dies when we get into the nursing home. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, that's, that's interesting. So that happens, we go over to her sister's house who lives in a high, senior high rise, talk to the sister, pray with her, we go visit someone in the hospital, we go to Safe Harbor Shelter, which is a, um, a homeless shelter in Easton. And we also went to visit someone else in the hospital. And literally, bro, by the end of that day, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Right. I was like, man, this is this is pretty interesting. Yeah. So went home and um, told my mom, I'm like, man, that was awesome. Told my father that was cool. And um, prayed. I did. At this point, I was praying. And, you know, I was doing the, the young person prayer, like, Lord, hey, it's me. I need <laughs> I need to know what's going on, God, please. What's up? What's up with this day that I had? I, I really felt it was cool. And then right. Pastor Gaddy called me back, I think, a day or so later and was like, hey, because this this happened in the spring. We were in, going toward the end of school. It was like the end of year um, right. thing. And Pastor G was like, yo, why don't you come through in the summertime? And, uh, you know, maybe just we can do it again. And And, bro, literally that uh that experience turned into literally maybe the next four or five years of me just doing that shadowing him connecting with him going to all kinds of spaces man funerals too just really growing and then i decided to study religion when i went to college which was coming up pretty soon from that experience right. and i stayed with him all throughout college i uh all throughout college i um all throughout college, I stayed with him, and um, literally, when it when it came time, I, I when it came time for him to, he went actually to pastor his own church. Yes. When it came time, he the church was like, "Hey, let's we'll hire you because Pastor Gaddy went on to pastor his own church." Oh wow, that's 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 some good stuff, bro. Yes. So, so hear my son crying. I apologize. No, it's okay. Yeah. So, so did you? So did all right. I know that you said you were shadowing the pastor for a while, right? Yeah. Like, was it any? Was it in any capacity where you served as maybe like like a minister in in any like other position like before they they offered you the, the pastorship? Well, so what happened, bro, is when I got hired, um, I, my my role actually was a uh, outreach coordinator. So I was coordinating outreach for the church and then doing visitation. So I was like a visitation coordinator. So okay. going to the hospitals, doing everything that he did. It wasn't until maybe a year or two later where I was licensed as a minister. Uh -huh. And then after that, ordained as a pastor. So when I first got hired, I got hired onto the, the staff, like a job, but right. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't um, an ordained pastor at that time even. Oh, wow. They just... Oh. They really yeah. believed in me, man. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Phil. Mm -hmm. Like he was like, I'm willing to hire you before you even, you know, ordain and, and going through the process because I really believe, I believe in you. Believe in you, right. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. Pastor Phil really do seem like a cool guy, you know. He's an amazing leader, man. Solid guy for real. All right, right. Um, so all right, I know because like I know that you know, I I'm listening to you and you said that. You know, like you got hired at the job. Like, 
at the church. Like, tell us about when you say you get hired, because like my church that I grew up in, it it's it's it, it's not a case like where somebody would get hired per se. You know what I mean? Like, it's like more so like a somebody that's being you know been there in leadership and they get ordained and something like that. But when you say like you know you got hired, like like speak about that. Is it like like a job, like a a, a normal job kind of type thing? Yeah, yeah, that that actually the role that I played visiting because the church is a larger church. So at any given time, right. there was either someone in the hospital, someone was sick, someone died. There were outreach programs that, that there's like three or four that operate during the week. So I actually was hired to a a a vocate a position, a job position um, while doing ministry. And, and even that in itself is, is quite a unique and special, um, special occurrence where you are able to serve and do the Lord's work, but also to make that it will be your job. And, right. you know, there are some cases where, where folks are able to do that. Um, you know, I'll say it, it has been quite a blessing. It also has its challenges when you're married. Um, but, right. you know, there, there, that's what I mean. I, I was hired to a staff position. Okay. Like, a Monday, like Monday through Friday report to the Yeah, because when you said that, I was like, what do you mean hired? I, I, you know, but I, I understand you now. And, you know, I know you say like, it can be challenging, especially like when you're married to like, you know, further down, we're going to talk about, you know, like how you deal with that balance and stuff like that. But before we get to that, like, I know, obviously you're still fairly, you know, young. We're the same in the same age group here. You say that you're 30. Uh, but what's your advice to, you know, like a young minister who desires leadership right now, because, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of young people that is coming up now that you know, they desire leadership, they desire to be pastors, they desire to, you know, have, you know, their own flock, their own church and, and things of that nature. But, you know, they're coming up, they're on the come up. What would you say to a young minister like that? Yeah, well, a few things, man. I, I say, number one, it's okay um, to want it, you know, so many times myself or even others who I've connected with who are young, you ask them like, Hey, do you want to pass or do you want to do this or that? No, no, whatever the Lord says. And, you know, we give these answers. I'm yeah. like, it's okay to say, yes, this is a desire that I have. But what right. I would say as a B part to that or a caveat is, is please don't rush yourself and don't rush the Lord and trust that if the Lord has said that this is something that will happen for you, just trust and walk with him while he's making the process. I've seen so many folks grab a camera and 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 sit at a desk or I've seen so many, man, I've seen some crazy stuff. People just trying to, to, to I won't say rush the process, but make something happen. And right. our, our hands aren't big enough to craft that to happen. Only the Lord's hands can do that. So I will say be content where you are, continue to share, continue to aspire and continue to speak, speak up like, hey, you know, this is something that I desire, but but also get educated because there are so many folks who want to be a preacher, who want to be a pastor, who want to teach. And when they teach, it sucks because they have not studied. They don't have good context. They don't know um, or they have not really studied um, what it is that they're speaking about. And really what ends up happening is we just get a lot of people's opinion instead of instead right. of what they say at the Lord. And, right. and that's that stinks, man. Too many folks, you know, worry more about the outfit that they have on than than the message that they're sharing. And 
we forget that that the outside what does that matter to god what is going on inside and if you, if your inside is jacked up and and it's not proper it doesn't matter how how great your glasses look how dope you are how cute you are none of that matters if you have not looked to the lord um before you open your mouth all right well good stuff because you know as you, as you said you know um I feel like, you know, a lot of, like you said, a lot of people rush the process uh, these days. A lot of people just, a lot of people became, you know, like um, online pastors over the, the pandemic. Cause you know, a lot of that really like spring forward when the pandemic happened and you know, there was not no like church and everybody, I feel like a lot of people just started their, on, their own online church where, you know, they just came on live and, you know, I guess, as you said, you know, give a lot of opinionated um, lessons or, or, or things of that nature. But as you're saying, like, you gotta be more than that. You gotta study to show yourself approved. You gotta, you know, like, listen to God. Like, if, you, if you're going to preach, and I mean, I guess I could ask you afterwards, but like, you have to, you know, like, ask the Lord, like, God, what do you want me to say? You know, like so that so much so that I can say, "Thus said the Lord." Instead of you know, okay, I feel like this would be a good word. I'm just gonna go preach it. You know what I mean? Um, so you have to, you have to, you know, be at that place. But, Positivity, friends in ministry. Tell us where you've been. Tell us what you've seen. Friends in ministry. Friends in ministry, as usual, is brought to you by. The Oli Armor clothing line where you suit up, stand up, and stand out. Shop with them today to get your different God's instruments apparels. Friends in ministry, we encourage and inspire. It's been a minute, but it, they're finally here. So our friends in ministry merchandises are finally available for purchase. You can purchase online using our Teespring online store link that will be provided. There you'll be able to purchase your t-shirts, your masks, and signature hoodies, and so much more. Purchase your merch today and support the movement. God bless. Friends in ministry, we encourage and inspire. But I, I've seen you. Um, I've been, I've seen you preach, seen your videos. Um, you're a really dynamic uh, preacher, and you're, you're also a practical preacher. I like that. Um, but how do you prepare? Like you have a you have a, a word, um, to preach on Sunday morning at Greater Shiloh, or even if you're visiting somewhere else, like. You know, what's like your first step in, in, in your preparations? Yeah. So for me, and, and you know, you'll hear a different answer from different individuals. For me, if, if the Lord has put something on my heart, um, I begin to go search the scriptures for it. So you can use a concordance. You can even go online. Like, I, I'll say this, man. I do a lot of going online to, to just check out and, and cross-reference. There's nothing wrong with going on Google. Um, and I think Google has received a bad rap. Now, what I don't do is go online to Google and print someone else's message and just try to preach. But I do go to Google. Google helps me to to find out what was happening at that time within a particular text and helps me to identify some some great scriptures that that can be used. And then you build a message based on that. 
what did the Lord say? And then how am I going to say it? That's, that's, that's what I was asking myself. What has the Lord said? And how am I going to say this to people? And when I ask myself the question, how am I going to say this to people? Really, that's just code for bruh. You're going to have to put some scripture to this because if you don't, right. then it becomes you just speaking instead of the Lord speaking. And right. so, so that's really my process. Identifying scriptures, what fits, what's right. A little bit of prayer. No, I don't mean a little bit as in a, a little quantity, but just throw some prayer in there and, 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 and really craft a message. I love points because points should make a point when you give a message. So I try my best. There have been some times where I haven't, but anytime that I'm ministering, I always will try to leave you with like four or five takeaways. And that's, that will always be the case. I, I really believe in that. All right, bro. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, as I mentioned um, early in the brief intro, you're the owner and proprietor of, you know, VMTS, Valley Mortuary, you know, Transport Services, LLC. Um, tell us about that. Um, I know you went to mortuary school um, and I know, you know, like you were talking earlier, you, when you were shadowing the preachers, you would go to, you know, the nursing homes, you would go to funerals. So it, I, I, I'm, I know that, I guess, being in that capacity isn't, you know, like all that new to you, but how did you, you know, tell us about how you, you got that business started and tell us about it. So when I was, when I was in kindergarten, man, I went to my, probably wasn't my first funeral, but a friend of mine got hit by a car, oh, got killed. And, uh, I remember my parents sort of arguing about, is he, are we going to let him go at this age or not? Mom said, yeah, let him go. Dad said, no, mom won't. So I went to the service. My mother took me. And um, I remember that he had on his hat and uh, his, his, his head was damaged. I know this now. I didn't know it then, but right. his head was damaged from the, the being hit while landing. And uh, he had a hat on. I went to try to adjust his hat. I remember the funeral director big, big white man, uh, big, big. I mean, like, I, I still remember it, like massive. Like yeah. you ever watch wrestling big show? Yes. Like, like that. And uh, I remember him being so gentle, man, and saying, Hey, let me help you out. And he, and he adjusted the hat because he didn't want you. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so bro, the next year um, found myself in a similar situation when I lived in New York, man, I had the biggest crush on this girl. And she never knew it, but I love my wife. And I'm so happy to be married to Erica Vanderbilt. Of course. <laughs> I had the biggest crush on a girl named Brittany Evans. And uh, yeah. the thing about Brittany Evans is Brittany Evans had a little brother named Jason. And I had a little sister named Brittany. So that was like our thing. So <laughs> that was cool. Um, I used yeah. to tell Jason Evans like he was going to be my brother. Right. Um, I never told his sister that she was going to be my wife, but I told him he would be my brother. And um, Jason drowned on family vacation, died. And, uh, and, and Jason was probably, had to be maybe nine years old. No, 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 bro. We were nine or 10 years old. Jason had to be like six, maybe. Yeah. Um, so here, another funeral. It wasn't a hat this time. It was a bow tie. Funeral director says to me, not the same guy, but hey, you need some help. Let me help you. So. I only mentioned those to say, and, and I'll tell you about mortuary journey, but I, I think that those things sort of stuck with me. You know, sometimes stuff can happen to you when you're young and they stick with you. And yeah. then when you get old, you're like, oh, wow, that is why that that happened. And uh, I really believe that. So fast forward to serving in a church. Yeah. Got to meet a lot of funeral directors. Um, our church, man, I love our church. We don't just do funerals uh, for people who are a member, but 
if someone in this community has a need, they know they can come to Shiloh and we will host the funeral. We'll pray for the family. We'll do the eulogy. We'll host a repast. We will serve people because that's what we're called to do. Um, and so I was meeting funeral directors and I was like, you know, I really like it came to me. I all of a sudden was like, I like this. So I started mortuary school, was going to become a funeral director even before the Lord called me to ministry. So all while that was happening, school projects and 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 in high school and all that, I was going to go become an undertaker. And uh, uh, the Lord called me, took me otherwise. And once I got back into church, well, when I got hired at the church and began working, I feel I really feel like God was like, I never told you not to do that. I just said, do this first. So I went and um, pursued and full transparency, bro. I have like three more classes before I'm complete, but I do have an apprentice license, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania. I have to finish those three classes before I can get my full, full official tissue. Um, I've worked in funeral homes since I was probably about 19 here. And um, actually, I got a job at a funeral home at a funeral at the church. Um, This is and this is again, this is all before I even started working at Shiloh. I was serving on the bereavement ministry at church and a funeral director says, hey, I need someone to come and help me out at the funeral home. And literally, bro, that was a job I had. So I've always, you know, that along with ministry, when ministry became a thing to me, um, they've always been, you know, synonymous. And I really believe the work that I do with families and with the deceased is a ministry. So I, I worked in funeral homes and I launched a business um, as a as a way to support more funeral homes. See, when you work at a funeral home, they the the expectation is that you work at this funeral home. Right. But I launched the business so that I could serve that funeral home, which I do to this day and love right. that team. They're amazing. Others, one, right. of my, one of my best friends, good, good friend of mine. But now I can serve that funeral home and other funeral homes. Right. Um, and that's that's the business, man. All right. So we, we, we do transports. We, we hit the road. Um, but we serve loved people. That's not one of our models. Oh, you know? And we, we we help escort loved people to their next. So. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff, bro. All right. So. I mean, we alluded to a little bit of it earlier, but um, I wanted to ask you, like, how do how do you balance, you know, like family life, professional life and ministry? Because obviously you're you're in ministry full time. You're a pastor. Um, You also have, you know, you're a a business that you run with, you know, volume mortuary services. We also married, you you know, you're married to your wife, uh, Erica. You have, you know, two kids um so how do you balance i know like you know the other night i saw you know you were you were out with erica i guess you know on your you guys date night she was killing you on that axe throwing but (laughs) but how do you 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 balance you know all of them well i'll say for the longest time i did a horrendous horrible job um but it really you know when i started seeing my family suffer right Mm -hmm we have we had not been having a date night we had not been able to connect like that 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 changes everything at the end of the day bro no matter how much money you make how great people talk about you people will love you today and they'll hate you tomorrow no matter how awesome friends you have no matter no matter any of that family is still more important and um so so for me now with balance um, you know, we have a date night every other week and um, every other Friday and intentional time. Like I'm fully involved with with my kids and schooling and Erica and I, we don't 
like we don't do gender roles or or and what right. I mean by that is like yeah. we both cook, we both clean, we both understand. You know what I'm um so the other thing is with with ministry, I have learned, um, and Pastor Phil preaches this all the time, you know, there are there is some flexibility in ministry. So while while some days I'm sitting at the church from nine to maybe six PM, some days I'm in the church from nine and, and at twelve. You know, I go go do something else. Right. Um, And then with business, you know, I'm blessed to have gentlemen and ladies who are part of the team who who can serve. But it's up to me to create it. Um, And that's one big thing I've learned. No one's going to do it for you. Um, People will ask you to do things as long as you're willing to do things. But until you and and me, in this case, make a decision, you know, it's going to be up to the individual to to create that flex, that freedom um, and. balance to create the balance right because um you know a lot of as you as you and i love the transparency bro i I had to point that out um but you know a lot of a lot of you know ministers or even even not even young ministers but older uh, older ministers you know i've i've heard where you know it's like they they've got so caught up in that okay Yes, you have to do the work of the Lord. You you have a calling that you have to do, but I've 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 heard of or I've known of so many you know marriages failing because, like pastors or leaders are just so focused in doing what they have to do at the church. They're not you know taking no time for their families or their kids, or or things of that nature. So it's really good to have a balance, you know. Um, so yeah, because at the end of the day. Even though, like God ordained you to do the, the work of the Lord that He's that you're doing, He also gave you a family. He also made you a husband. He also yeah. made you a, a father. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like a lot of times, you know, you have some people that you know get a little caught up with that, and yeah. they don't know how to balance. Yeah. yeah, and God established family before He established the church, right. and and I think that He did it on purpose intentionally but i also say man some people i think confuse the church with god so you think that you are supposed to do church 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 when really you're supposed to serve the lord and and serving your family and having a healthy view of family and healthy balance within family is a way i believe of, of serving the lord Lord, yeah. so so maybe you don't go you can't dance on every set when it comes to church um, but but thankfully, we can be the church. The church actually, sh- it should live in us. The church, right. we're supposed to be the church, um, not just do church. Right. Okay, very good stuff. Um, so throughout your journey, bro, in, in, in retrospect, right? Like, is there anything that you would have done differently as it relates to your journey in ministry? You know, to get where you are right now, like in, in, in retrospect, when you look back at everything, is there anything that you would have done differently? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, if I could have done anything differently, well, two things that, that really come to mind first. One is I would have. Because one thing I missed out on saying is that when I when I when I felt in love with Jesus, I became one of those annoying um, every post just what's wrong with y'all, you know what I'm saying? Get saved, 
I would never do that again. Um, right. Everyone's journey is different. And there are truths. The truth is Jesus saves to the utmost. The truth is God desires a relationship with us. But the way that some people can be is so unattractive because it appears like now that you've seen the light and you're saved, you know it all and you've got it all together when really you're just doing dirt too. Because let me tell you, man, I when I first connected with the Lord, I was still doing so much dirt, bro. I was still messing up, man. I was still flawed. I'm still flawed to this day. Um, but I think that we have to, um, and if I could have done different, I would have maybe not wrote some statuses, maybe not had some conversations with people, maybe not said some of the things that I've said that made me look like a judgmental D-bag, excuse the expression. Like that is not, that is not who Jesus is. And that's not who I ever, ever, ever want to represent him as. So if I could have gone back and, and redone that, I would have, I would have, I would have undone all of that, bro. All right, bro. Understood, understood. So I just have one more question for you, bro. Um, so do you, I know you're, you know, I, I, I pastor, you know, on staff there at Greater Shiloh, but do you have any desires to be like a senior pastor, like one day? Like, do you, do, is that something that you think about? Well, I, I, I believe, I believe, so I love the Lord's church, man. I really do. I love God's church. I love leadership. And, you know, I've had a chance to, to really see some amazing leaders. Like Pastor Phil is one of the most incredible leaders that I've seen. And I follow other uh, leaders of churches. And, you know, I do. I'm like, man, that would be awesome to one day be able to, to lead a church, right? To, um, to, to be able to hear vision from God and the shepherd. So, yeah, I have aspirations, man. And I, and I believe that, you know, I, I'll say this and I mean it if it's in the Lord's will you know, one day I will lead, um, who knows where, who knows how, who knows how long from now, but yeah, I, I, I would, I believe I'm called to lead. Well, you just gotta, you know, allow yourself to be available when the call comes, wherever you gotta go, wherever, you know, it, it is that, you know, you, you accept the call and, you know, you be the leader that you've, 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 you know, seen other great leaders to be that you have had aspire to be um all this time so that's good bro so before you go you you got any shout outs you want to give you want to shout out anybody that you know is going to be seeing this uh, episode of you on this uh i want to shout you out bro that's my shout out (laughs) we need we need more of this man i was so pumped when you shared you know your vision and what you've been doing um and i want to know how i can check out past episodes man for real for real because, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna I'm you up after this. Okay, good deal. Nah, shout out, shout out to you, my brother. Yeah, good looks, bro. Good looks, man. I appreciate it. So, thank you, man, for you know giving me a few moments of your time to talk to us here on Friends in Ministry on this podcast. Um, I really appreciate you. Um, this has been another great installment of uh, Friends in Ministry, guys. Uh, we've just spoken to Pastor Jason Vandenberg. Uh, we are very, very thankful of him uh, coming on and, and speaking with us about his journey in ministry and just sharing with us, you know, like his views on, you know, the different things that we spoke about. Um, so, yeah, don't forget to share and subscribe this podcast. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also subscribe on YouTube. And um, as usual, Friends of Ministry is brought to you by the Holy Armor Closing Line, where we use suit up, stand up and stand out as usual. 
Friends and Ministries, also brought to you by the Gen Studios. Um, until next time, I'm your host, Ricky Ricardo. God bless. Encourage you today. Don't you ever let anybody stop you from getting to Jesus. Don't you ever let anybody stop you from connecting. Don't you ever let anybody tell you to be quiet. Don't you ever let anybody rebuke you. You ought to tell them I know where my help is coming from. My help comes from God who is above, who created heaven and earth, and come hell or high water, nothing's going to stop me from connecting. Nothing's going to stop me from pursuing. Nothing is going to stop me from going to Jesus because Jesus is the one who is able to help me. Friends in ministry, we encourage and inspire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Live from the Gen Studio, we enlighten and support each other. We're promoting positivity, positivity, friends in ministry. Tell us where you've been, tell us what you've seen, friends in ministry.